Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. Each week, we will discuss our lives, our goals, and our expectations as artists, as well as discuss what it is to be an artist. Performers, visual artists, and musicians. Mike and I, we want to talk to you, and we want to talk to you about what you do, why you do it, and what that art really means to you. We'll have guests to discuss artistic expression and the all-around nature of the artist's lifestyle. And try to answer that question. Is there a de facto artist lifestyle? Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Active Listeners. You've got Mike and Shane, and this is episode four. And today's episode is going to talk about the subject of religion. I know that can be a sensitive topic for a lot of people. Super sensitive. Mike, do you have an opinion on religion that you'd like to share? I think uh, over the course of my life, my opinion on religion has swung drastically. Um, I think that I do have an opinion on religion that has since evolved. Um, I guess I'll just explain. Uh, I was brought up pretty religious, went to church, went to youth group, um, lots of retreats, lots of um, royal rangering. I don't know if anyone listening knows what a royal ranger is. Think of Boy Scouts, but more Jesus. More Jesus? More Jesus than the Boy Scouts. That was like our, that was like our shtick. I was a Boy Scout, and I thought it was pretty. There's a lot Jesus of Jesus in, in Boy Scouting, but there's more in Royal Rangering. I wow. uh, was in Royal Rangers for four years, and honestly, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed being a Christian. I enjoyed being in the church. Uh, I, at one point in my life, was going to go to seminary, and I was going to be a pastor. Um, and you know, life happened and that isn't what I ended up doing. I always forget that little fun fact about you. Fun fact. Yeah. That there's a chance you could have became a pastor. I could have. I could have been past the lake. Wow. So I've had a bit of a different journey with religion. My family was never super into going to church or really developing any form of community. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> My mom really encouraged me to shop around. And I don't feel like that's something you often hear when it comes to religion. No. I was encouraged. Yeah, I was encouraged to go to uh, Catholic Church and Christian celebrations and Jehovah Witness gatherings and synagogues and... Anybody I knew at school that had a different viewpoint on religion than I did, I immediately went to them and was like, hey, can I just come with you one time? And I had a number of friends that I would just go to churches with them. And it gave me such an interesting perspective because what I came to realize, I was like, hey, all these people are saying the same things. 
why do they always want to fight? Um, I, I had the experience of going to a few different denominational churches um, within Christianity. So most of my exposure to religion um, was of the Christian persuasion growing up, which, I mean, to be fair, for a lot of American children is probably what they've experienced. Um, and it wasn't until... I was older and outside of the influence of church that I started to study up on other religions. Late in high school, I kind of started to realize the same thing, that every religion had its version of morality. Every religion had its version of how to live a good life and be a good person. So I kind of started that dirty word, uh, doubt. I'm not sure. Sure, how personal you you personally want to get, um, but just because we know each other, sure, I know that your mother has gone through a shift in how she views religion. Yeah, yeah. Um, my ma, my mother, and my father were the reason that we started going to church. I didn't go from birth. Um, I think we were always culturally Christians, you know, American, Americanized Christians. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely told that God existed and we believed in God, but that's about where the line was drawn. Yeah, and then when I was about six, um, we started to go to church um, and like became observant in within the born again uh, denomination, which I guess would be in a kind of equivalent to evangelical yeah, we it was definitely a gospel of love, a gospel of, you know, I had no reason to leave. There's a lot of stories out there about like abuse or, uh, you know, a tragedy that had, you know, brings someone to doubt. I I didn't have any of that happen. Um really it was just meeting other people and really meeting people that were faithless. Are you trying to blame me? No, no. It's before we met. I was well on my road on the road of agnosticism when we met. But like just really decent human beings that my faith told me because they didn't think what I thought were going to suffer for eternity. Yeah, so I late in college or late in high school, early in college, I just kind of started a journey of studying the history of religion, studying the evolution of religions, how we kind of started pretty much everywhere in the world as a monotheist, uh, polytheistic cultures um, sprang up out of every corner of the planet that there were people. And then as the understanding of the world changed, religions changed, which was the first tip for me that, that maybe this religion thing wasn't so much about the truth, but knowing a truth. Yeah, that was really part of what did it for me, was seeing the story that was told as fact and being able to do the research on that and look into that story and start to understand that there was source material for that story. It doesn't take away the message being told, but it definitely puts into perspective the fact that it is absolutely and i mean think about the the regions as well that 
<clears throat> that these teachings come from uh, primarily the Middle East because the most common Western religions are derived from there. And as I kind of grew to understand those things, I grew to, at least for myself, also see parallels in the scientific world and how the scientific world tries to understand the, the, how things work. And for me, it made more sense to lead my life in the pursuit of knowledge that I could discover, that I could learn in a way that was tangible, that was measurable, that could give me the same sense of ease in knowing, yes, there is a reason why things happen in its cause, its effect, its chemical reaction, its gravity, it's all of these forces of the universe. And you talk about all of these amazing people that started to help you form this conversation with yourself. And one of those people for me, I only met two years ago, and she is our guest this evening. Uh, Abby Van Gerpen is a wonderful human being who has studied religion for a number of years and when I met her a few years back, she got me thinking about how religion isn't about a set of texts, but about a representation of love. I have the utmost respect for the people in my life and the people in the world that can take these very divisive ideas of how we should live and strip away the negativity strip away the things that force us into our our tribal groupings and can say this is why it matters this piece which is leading a good life being a good person being kind the golden rule because as as a non-believer i completely appreciate that religion has given us the pillars for which our society now stands. And I certainly acknowledge that. Um, honestly, I don't think about it. It's not that like I'm anti-religion. I just don't, it's not a factor in my being. To push away all of the moral stories taught in the Bible would be unwise. <laughs> just because it is written in the Bible doesn't mean its value is lessened. It means it has gone through a filter. And we as people take that information and then filter it again. So it always helps to have someone who's really looked into it and knows their stuff and brings a, a new eye to the conversation. And yeah, and that's why uh, I'm really excited to have Abby uh, talk to us today. Um, yeah, so how about you, Shane? Is there is there a point in your life where... As I understand it, you've kind of landed in in a space of agnosticism. Yes, you've. You're. I would I would say that is pretty true. And I tend to fall in a place of. This is my hippy dippy coming out, <laughs> but I tend to land on energy. From a very scientific point of view, energy can't be created. It can't be destroyed it can only be transmuted and i kind of have this 
I kind of let religion go. Any form of organized religion, I've sort of pushed to the side and instead started doing that self-study. The book The Kabbalion is probably the closest thing that I would say I have to a Bible. It is something that I can pull up, I can look at, and it's definitely one of those texts you can read any paragraph from any section and get something from it. I'm always inspired by some of the thinkers that we turn to that make sense of our world that are outside of religion. Um, One such speaker, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he has this thing that he says, I'm not sure if it's an original to him. I think it might actually be a version of a Carl Sagan quote, but he says that we as people are a way for the universe to know itself. And I think that's as hippy dippy as I get. <laughs> I think that's as 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 ooga booga as 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 my beliefs get. Because yeah, if you look at the universe as a thing trying to understand itself, it creates within its boundaries, and we are one of its creations. Right. Right. In an attempt to understand itself, that makes perfect right. sense. And uh, and that to me is kind of a my my nirvana. You know, my uh, my space of of calm is to know that I'm a little piece of this vast universe that has over millennia evolved to a point that I can know my surroundings, I can understand things, I can perceive things, I can affect the world around me in a way that I recognize has effect. And I'm a way for the universe to know itself. You kind of blew my mind a little bit at the end there, because as a person, you've sort of become a microcosm for the universe. And we all are. Trying to understand we all itself. Are, yeah. Right. And honestly, I'm, I'm familiar with the Kabbalion. Um, and that's really the message, right? Like that's, you are... Uh, you know, the actualization of universal powers and you exist in within this system. It's all about balance. It's There are principles, but every principle has an up and a down, a left and a right, a positive and a negative. So in, in, in an effort of balance, uh, we will move into the interview portion of our episode. But before we do that... I would like to remind our audience that if you enjoy these conversations that Shane and I have, and it's something that brings you joy and peace in your life, and you'd like to let us know, there's a perfect way to do that. How do they do that, Shane? They could do that by joining in and joining on our Patreon. Our Patreon has a couple of different levels which you can invest in. And each one of those levels is going to get you something a little bit different. One of the things we are working on is something we call a midweek quickie. And it is a very dirty, very brief conversation that Mike and I have unfiltered, often unedited with no clear direction. Yeah, we talk about things that, you know, has piqued our interest over that week or just maybe in a night of uh, recording, we get off on a tangent and we're like, you know what? 
that's the midweek quickie. And we want to share it with you because even though maybe it's a little less pointed and a little goofy, uh, it sometimes gives an insight into how our brains work. So if you want to get that content, just head to www.patreon.com slash active listeners pod and choose a subscription level and we will be eternally grateful for your gift. And with that, we would like to welcome Abby Van Gerpen to the podcast. Hello, Abby. How are you? Hello, I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing just great. Abby is an actress uh, in Albuquerque and uh, also a uh, how, how would you explain how would you explain your 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 other profession? It's not really a profession. I have a master's in ministry and discipleship. All right. So a, a master of ministry and discipleship as well. <laughs> I, I'm only a master of letters. So I'm, uh, you are leaps and bounds ahead of me. You have whole words in your mastery. I mean, technically speaking, the Bible is just a bunch of letters. So it, it is. There are a lot of letters in there. So, Abby, we do uh, ask all of our guests their preferred pronouns, and then to go ahead and tell us something about themselves. Um, sure. So, pronouns she, her. Um, something about myself. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> you already know I'm an actress, so it's like, well, <laughs> that's all I do. Uh, I have two cats. Um, I have a cat named Bacon Face. He's 17 pounds and has the biggest attitude. And I think will actually murder me in my sleep one of these days. It might be because you called, you named him Bacon Face. It might be, might be it. Possibly. Um, <laughs> he did start getting um, stress-induced UTIs when the pandemic happened because I was home all the time. <laughs> so you so, stressed your cat out. And I stressed him out. So my presence alone just ruins his life. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I also got a Corin kitty. She was born March 8th. Thought it'd be a good idea to get a kitten during a quarantine, and uh, she's probably Satan reincarnated, but the verdict is yet to be out. I also had a f addition to the family during quarantine, but it wasn't a kitty; it was it was a child. Oh gosh, well. <laughs> not Satan. He's very much not Satan. I would hope not. <laughs> this Although... conversation different term. <laughs> you know, we could introduce them to Abby and, you know, she could let you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's more of like a Roman Catholicism thing, but... Good, good. You know what? We'll talk about that too. Yeah, we'll talk about the, uh, that change from sect to sect and all that. But really quick, what's the name of Demon Kitty? Her name is Marnie, um, but I also call her Barcode sometimes just because for some reason oh, that pisses people way off. Way cuter so. name. Barcode? That's great. I mean, I it's more in line with bacon face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So then uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about when were you bitten by the acting bug? <laughs> um, it was actually in like sixth grade. So I was like 11. Um, you know, my best friend really wanted to try out for the school play and she didn't want to do it alone because 11 year old girls can't do anything alone. <laughs> and so I was like, I guess I'll go with you. But I was super shy at the time. Um, but I was a good friend. And so I went and I got cast and she did not. And, <laughs> and we're, she, yeah. Are you still she's friends? Like, she's not friends with me anymore. No. <laughs> so 
just really just went downhill, I guess. It can be it can be a tough profession even at eleven. It's true, but now I think she's like a nurse, so she's gone off to do great things. I'm a poor, starving actress, so we all get what we get. <laughs> karma came around. The, yes. the bug bit you and then karma bit you. Exactly. <laughs> I have a whole um, list of questions. We do. We have a whole list of questions, so ah. we, should probably, we should probably refer to that list. Yeah, I mean, I so I think let's start right on the top if we're you know, we're bringing you on to talk about uh, religion and how that inspires a lot of your artistic choices. Um, so as a, I'm, I wrote scholar, but um, how do you choose to define religion? Oh my goodness. I just think it's so funny that you chose scholar as the word. Like I, I just keep at it. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm a Christian. The evangelical Christian, I guess, if you want to get like super technical, but I think every Christian's probably evangelical in some way. Um, so and- I'm probably going to be the more ignorant on religious <laughs> terms. So uh, if you... That'll be the only one that I use, I think. So evangelical just means telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what that is, is what Christians believe, which is that this little known god man named jesus christ i don't know if you've ever heard of him before no i haven't please kind of rings a bell a little i know right (laughs) we just believe that he died for our sins and just our general everyday crappiness um he died for that on the cross and then rose again three days later the quote-unquote scholars um, tend to, you know, really make it into this big fancy religion or, you know, they speak of doctrines or these big, you know, theologies and get into the whys and the hows. And um, there's just so many different things when you really start digging down deep into it. Um, But I personally just see it more as a lifestyle. I think that those beliefs, they affect um, just how... I think and my actions and how I see the world. And what led you to go into that field of study? Is that something you wanted to do uh, from your younger life or is that something that came across later in life? Um, So it definitely came across later in life. I actually didn't become a Christian until I was like 23, 24. Uh, Not to age myself. Uh, (laughs) Not to age to do that. Um, That was last week's episode. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So it was definitely like a late in life decision at the time when I first got involved with the church um, and was just trying to figure out what it is I wanted to believe in and what, you know, the whole Christianity meant. I was super involved with student ministry, especially junior high kids, which is its own (laughs) crazy adventure. And uh, I was running a group that was specifically for junior high girls. Um, and it was just something for them to do after school. So they would kind of stay out of trouble. It would give them a meal. We would learn about self-esteem and self-confidence because when you're a junior high girl, that is rough time. And I just felt like I need to be better equipped. Well, I don't know if I would term it a a formal ministry or not, because we met in like one of the city schools. I just felt like I needed some better tools to equip me for that, for running that. Um, and so I just decided to go learn about it. Um, and it also helped having that education, that degree. I know people like can only hear me, but I, I'm a 
tiny little five foot two strawberry blonde who looks about eight years younger than she actually is. And so getting into the room where like these deep conversations were happening about religion and Jesus and, you know, even how to better the community. I wanted to be heard a little bit louder and it sucks that it comes down to like that materialistic, well, I have a degree, but it does look really good on paper. And it was good to be that person in some of those classes too that I took because I was the only female most of the time and usually the only one under 30. So, so that's interesting. Um, as, as a kind of uh, direct mirror, I think, to your journey in religion, um, I was brought up uh, through my, throughout my life, uh, as a, we don't, we don't call it, I think, evangelical in the Northeast, uh, non, non-denominational born again. Um, but from what I understand of evangelical church is very similar how, uh, proselytizing is really the, the kind of main driver of a lot of Christian, um, uh, sects. Uh, so yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I kind of, I was on the the middle school, not middle school girl, but middle school youth group side of of your experience. It's very interesting. Um, Hold on, Mike. I'm. Are you telling me you were not a teenage girl? I was, I was not. I was not a teenage girl. Okay. Um, right. I would say that middle school is probably not any easier for middle school boys, but uh, I was not a middle school girl. Um, but again, on the flip side of, of your your experience, I'm actually no longer um, in the church. But from from what you present as in the story that you're telling, um, it's become really important to you in your adult life. It is really important to me now, mostly because, especially in the last few years, holy cow, people just want to be loved and they want to be accepted. And what really sucks about Christianity is that the people who are usually loudest are the people that aren't preaching the truth. So it can be really hurtful. And I know Christianity has gotten like a really bad rap, especially (laughs) real lately. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, especially being in the theater world and the film world, it's just so nice to just kind of be that light uh, to people to just love them, to meet them where they're at and just accept them for who they are without any drama of trying to be better than them or try to outdo them or out audition them. Like, I just have this innate personal foundation of they're a human being, they're a child of God in my eyes and therefore I'm going to love them, I'm going to fight for them um, and I'm gonna be their friend. And um, so that's definitely worked its way into my art as well. I love that you refer to speaking truth as a uh, place of love. It's it's not in reference to any big universal truth other than just appreciating your fellow human being. It's important. I mean, I think that that's at the foundation of a lot of people in their brokenness or, you know, just in things that are going wrong in their life. Like, it's just at the bottom of that. We just want to be loved. Um, and so how nice is it? when you're struck, it's, it's hard for someone who doesn't know God or who doesn't really know who this Jesus Christ is. It can be really hard for them to understand that kind of love because it's just not physical and it's not right in front of them. And so to have a person and have like that tangible love, so they can kind of get a hint of what that means. um, I think it just, 
means a lot to a person. It can do so much more than, you know, waving a sign in someone's face that says you're damned to hell because you don't believe what I believe. <laughs> so. And how has your art shifted from that audition at 11 years old to having gone through all of this study and now busting out into a, a full career as an actress? Um, well, there's just, there's definitely that comfort in knowing that my identity and my life is not dependent on a specific role or, you know, any sort of booking. Um, it's always nice to book and it's always nice to get cast. Um, but now there's just that bigger overlying thing of like, well, that doesn't change who I am as a person and that's not going to drastically end my life. Um, but as far as being an artist and creating art, it, I actually ended up getting sober about a year and a half after I became a Christian. And that is what really shifted my acting style and just um, how I connected. Because I think a lot of people think that the opposite of addiction is sobriety, which it kind of is, but it's actually also connection. Like you can finally connect with others on that deep level. And so I was able to take that into my acting as well as my relationships. One of the prevailing stereotypes about creative types of all sorts, but especially actors, is that their their tortured experiences in life make them better at the art that they do. Um, and we touched on this way back in episode zero um, about how that's how silly that seems. Um, you wouldn't say that about any other profession. You wouldn't say all the best doctors are the ones that are addicted to pain medicine. <laughs> like you would never say that. And, and, and yeah, so it's nice to hear defense of like being a, a healthy person and also creating. <laughs> and having gone through those struggles, being able to recognize them and when you do make those connections with other people, those middle school uh, young women, uh, you have some something tangible to latch on to. It's, it's not just, oh, I was also 11 years old or at one point in time, because they don't see that, they don't get that. Um, but having some real life experience to offer them, I think, is pretty Well, profound. it's all about authenticity, which I think Christians really struggle with because we want to look like we have it all together. I mean, everyone kind of wants to look like they have it all together, but I think especially on Sunday mornings in those church views, people really want to look like they got it all together. Um, and that can be really intimidating to the outside world. It's, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not even close to that. So you're just like. <laughs> I was just agreeing visually, sorry. Yeah. Um, but so it can be really important because I think that people need to know that like, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, I have a thousand doubts, especially in this pandemic. Yeah, I still have a thousand questions that I may never find out the answer to. Um, and yeah, I've struggled with stuff. I've experienced grief and loss and anger and sadness, but I also always carry with me this joy and it can live alongside all of those negative things as well. That's really refreshing to hear. <laughs> you pass <laughs> well I think especially like this pandemic's a perfect example of that where it's like yeah this has sucked and it has taken things it has been a thief but there's also been these really sweet moments that I think we've all experienced that we wouldn't have otherwise and I think that's just kind of where that grief and that joy live together hand in hand this thing that we're doing right now was born 
of this pandemic. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I agree full full heartedly. Yeah, we yeah. So it's really cool. Sit on our hands anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so you you sound like uh, an individual who is always open to sort of have these intense real conversations. Um, is there any topic that you tend to veer away from when broached about your beliefs or when you're asked about how you got to where you are? Not really. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people who aren't Christians, there's many people out there that carry their own biases towards it for whatever reason or whatever thing they experienced. Um, and so I always kind of like to figure out that that reasoning a little bit and just try to work up to that just so I can apologize on behalf of the church and on behalf of Christianity. And just so I can look them in the eye and be like, that's not all of us. And I know that's not an excuse, but like, just know we're trying, we're trying so hard to make it better. So as far as like topics that I don't touch, there aren't really any because I want them to know the truth. And if I'm trying to avoid something or keep something from them, then like, how am I ever going to be a good friend? <laughs> Sounds like a lot to take the, the burden of the entire church on yes. your shoulders like that. <laughs> well, it's just, you hear some of these heartbreaking stories and it's like, you can tell them all day long, you know, well, not every church is like that. Not every pastor's like that. Not every ministry is like that, but they've already experienced it. It's already hurt them. You know, they may never come back, but you can at least just, have a conversation just saying like I'm here I would hope I'm one of the good ones you know let me walk through life with you at least and just be that little bit of a connection you have so over you mentioned that the past couple of years has, has been rough I I can I can definitely see how that's an experience that you've been having has there ever been a role that you've taken on that had made things equally rough um, in your, maybe you're portraying a person that is, is faithless, is, um, you know, uh, struggling with their faith. Have you ever found that was a difficult thing to tackle, especially as a person that has a life from before and can still remember some of those feelings or doubts or those moments of, of unknowing? Um, gosh, as far as roles go, I usually get typecasted. So like I just played Miss Honey in Matilda. And, like, so. You would That's be fair. a great That's Miss fair. Honey, I mean. So like it's hard. I mean, I did, uh, before the pandemic hit, I was playing Nora Helmer in A Doll's House. Oh, wow. Um, so that, that was a huge undertaking for all of the reasons that the play is, but also, um, just inviting some of the people that I go to church with to come see it. And they're like, oh my, <laughs> this is <laughs> quite the topic. <laughs> so Abby, I have a very important question. Which ending did you do? Oh, we did the real ending. We didn't do the fake one where she like stays or whatever. That's stupid. Good for you. I <laughs> door so damn hard every night, shoot. <laughs> Uh-uh. Yes. I, I did justice to that woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's so strange that the second ending even exists. Like and I guess it's there's a truth in that. There's always you know those there's women that stay, right? There's and that that but I think it's 
you know, maybe uh, more satisfying after such a rough, a rough hour and a half. <laughs> just, yeah, I, I think to with hear that, that door slam. Yes, and like with that story specifically, like there can be other stories where the woman stays, but I think that specific story, she's got to go. And I hate that there's a part two now. I hate the part <laughs> two. I'm so sorry if like the writer's listening to this for some reason. <laughs> Doubt that, but maybe. I hope they are maybe if you are listening, oh, yeah, write us. Rewrite it. We will have you on the <laughs> podcast. You can defend yes, your position. You defend your position. I demand and, you rewrite it. <laughs> and you'll boost our listenership. It'll be great. It'll be it'll be good for both of us. Oh, we'll bring you both on. Problem solved. Oh, there we go. And then you guys can just take it over and just Absolutely. go at it. <laughs> so many rants about that, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> we have had a number of guests who have gotten to the end of the interview and is like, but I have so much more to share. Um, so if we get there, you are always more than welcome to come back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, going back to the original question, um, you know, that was definitely one where people came from my church to support me and just didn't know what they were getting into. Um, which is always fun because I think that with theater and acting and with art, you want people to think differently and just kind of, you know, get outside of themselves and outside of their normal worlds and just kind of re-examine humanity. Um, so I, I think that that's always really helpful. And I love that I can sneakily get some of my church friends to come to these really crazy shows and, and have that experience. You're re really playing both sides of the fence on, on this whole religion thing. And I love it. You're talking to non-believers and encouraging love and you're talking to believers and still encouraging love just in a different facet. I, I knew we had you on for a reason, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just such a middleman. Like, I just, if only. <laughs> Which sort of brings me to my next question. As, as an evangelical, do you often find your, your political motives in combat with your religious views? And if so, how do you, how do you have that conversation with yourself? Oh, boy. This last election... <laughs> <laughs> Wolf. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's rough. It's rough because like, I do see myself as a liberal, even though there is, there was a pastor in Albuquerque actually this last week that said any quote Christian who voted for Biden is anti-Christian and just wants to kill babies. And I'm just like, mm -hmm, okay. <laughs> Which like, P.S., if a pastor is telling you how to vote, they haven't done their job, but that's a whole different rant. So, you know, obviously like abortion was a really hot topic for this last election. And I bring that up because a lot, unfortunately, a lot of Christians sided with Trump because of abortion. It was a very like one-sided issue, which was super unfortunate. I think that, you know, it, it kind of seemed like the Christians that are being the hands and feet of Jesus, who are out in their community, who are doing like this hard work and seeing for themselves, like just how terrible our communities are becoming and, you know, racial injustice and, you know, discriminatory voting and just all this stuff, like we can see it. But then there's people who just kind of live in their ivory towers who don't see it, who don't want to see it. And therefore, the only topic that they're really familiar with is abortion. So they're like, oh, well, we can't have that. Um, 
so it's just really disheartening. So it's like, man, if you could only see what the world, what's happening in the world, that might have changed your vote just a little bit. And luckily, like I'm talking about this in a Biden is president-elect week. <laughs> so that is a sigh of relief. Um, but I think it's really important, like being pro-life shouldn't just be anti-abortion. Um, it really, really does need to include like, you know, economic equality. And then you've got your racial justice and I don't know, paid family leave and criminal justice reform and accessible health care and discrimination-free voting rights. And I don't know, making sure our entire planet will exist in a few decades. Like yeah, there's the just the idea of pro-life and the fact that it sort of ends in the womb and then after that i guess you're no longer alive to be cared for and it sounds like you're really broaching that subject yeah i i it's just been really disheartening to see that like so many people will just see it as this one topic and then that's who should run our entire country based off of that one topic um and especially like <laughs> Sorry, Republicans. But like, if you look back in history, like it was under Republican administration that like Roe versus Wade became a thing. Um, if you look at the Reagan administration, I think 1990 to like 2015 Obama's administration, there's a 1 million number difference of abortions. It was lower under Obama's administration. So it's like, man, you can't just be putting all your ducks in that basket all your eggs in that basket there we go <laughs> we can cross phrases yeah it's yeah, fine sure it's like you can man, put you... ducks in baskets it's fine they might not stay there long but <laughs> it's fine yeah. but i think it's those same people that just depend solely on their pastor to do to save the entire city um are the same people that depend on their president to suddenly end abortion like I don't think anyone, you know, wakes up and is like, I'm, I really want to kill a bunch of babies. Like that is, that is a decision. And there are a lot that goes into that decision. And, it and there are a lot of ways of preventing those. Precisely. Like, and again, like going back, like we need to have better sex education. We need to have accessible birth control. Like maybe a woman, like if she wants to rip out all those fallopian tubes and ovaries and stuff, she shouldn't have to go through you know, a giant year long, have your husband sign off. Are you sure you want to do this? You have to be this age. Like, it's just the whole system is screwy. And so it kind of goes to like project management where it's like, okay, if you want to make this big problem better, well, you've got to figure out all these other things first. Like, it's just not going to happen otherwise. Um, As a person so, yeah, who it's... doesn't have fallopian tubes is... <laughs> Is a conversation with your significant other required to have that that surgery? Because that's a surgery, correct? Yes. So um, again, like I haven't been through that, but I have heard that you actually have to get like your husband's permission. Wow. It's to prevent someone from doing it like under the table. Um, meanwhile, you know, a dude, I'm pretty sure can just go in and get a vasectomy whenever he wants. On his like lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so and I then, wish it was that easy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's similarly it's kind easy. of easy. Yeah, yeah. But if I could do it on a lunch break, yeah. I mean, geez. But you know, and then also like the adoption system, like everything is just so broken. I've watched friends have so many failed adoptions, 
and there's so many kids in that system and it just works against them. So it's like, we just, we need to figure out these smaller pieces first and fix those before you go and, and drop a ballot for Trump just because he's a, supposedly against abortion. So that's me on my soapbox. <laughs> that's what we're here for. I appreciate that you've hit a lot of points that are kind of used against an argument of a more liberal lifestyle to kind of build your faith around. And it's and it's something that I as as more way more of a politically leaning person it's I'm more likely to say, well, if if you're gonna approach it from a religious standpoint, there are all these other things that go along with that. And just ignoring all of those other things seems a little bit of a unba- unbalanced. And yeah, so I, I appreciate that you're out there advocating <laughs> and and maybe and maybe you can you can be of a, a persuasion uh, for for some other folks. And I, I know a lot of creative types um, that are of faith and and you know also, non-creative types but of faith that um that share the same views and i I really appreciate it whenever i encounter it um it makes me feel better (laughs) about about the world (laughs) (laughs) but like i said like it's unfortunate that those that are the loudest are the ones that are just way off the mark so you gotta Um, be louder you gotta you gotta (laughs) gotta go be be really loud and and let them know what's up <laughs> pickup truck uh-huh uh-huh that's right see you gotta use their it. tactics we'll get you a, a flag metal. decal you'll be great yeah yeah uh-huh <laughs> there's a lot that's mentioned in the old testament that isn't mentioned in the new testament that evangelical christians abide by but there's also things in the old testament that they choose not to abide by so can you speak to the hypocrisy for lack of a better word when they will adhere so so stringently to one topic while neglecting another so homosexuality for instance um and yet you can eat shrimp (laughs) what we can eat shrimp no one told me (laughs) we'll send you some some shrimp after the show (laughs) yeah yeah all the shrimp you want Yes. Um, So one of the important things to remember um, is that the Old Testament was before Jesus, right? And so there was a lot of things going on in the Old Testament. There was a lot of sacrifices that had to be made for people's sin and general everyday crappiness. And so there was just very specific, very formal. Um, There's a lot of just weird stuff in the Old Testament. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's just some weird weird stuff. But then Jesus came, lived a perfect life, became that one perfect sacrifice and covered all of it for all time. So we no longer have to do all of those super formal, weird blood over the door, don't eat shrimp, can't enter certain buildings if you're a female type things. Um, And so that's kind of... so. I, I always get confused as well when I see people like super adhering to Old Testament things. I'm like, well, that doesn't. It sounds like an evolution of the text almost. 
Well, you know, it, I mean, it's just, it's just like if you were reading an actual book, like there's all of this stuff that happens in the first few chapters. And then there's like this big moment in the middle of the book that changes everything thereafter till the end. Um, and so most, most Christians, like at least the church that I go to, like, you know, we're much more focused on that New Testament. Um, but as you were saying, like with the, um, there's a lot of do's and don'ts throughout the Bible. And it's kind of like, well, what do you do? What do you don't? And where does that hypocrisy kind of lie? Um, and this gets me on my Bible rant. So buckle up, kids. <laughs> um, so the cool thing about the Bible is that there's a lot of words and a lot of sentences and a lot of stories, which is great. Uh, what's not so great is that people love to take certain verses completely out of context and then use them however they see fit. Um, now, people who aren't Christians will do this, you know, just to get back at Christians. Um, but even I've seen, unfortunately, pastors do this. And it's usually because they're teaching a prosperity gospel where it's like, oh, if you give this much money or if you believe this much, then, you know, here's a brand new car for me. And so <laughs> it's, it's really disheartening. So, you know, when you're going through the Bible, which I do truly encourage everyone to read the Bible at some point. There are thousands of translations, so you can easily choose one that's easiest for you to understand and read. Um, but when you're reading things or when you come across a verse that just sounds like, eh, um, for example, there's a verse in 1 Timothy that talks about women being silent. <laughs> and take it out of context, that doesn't sound too great. But you have to look at who was writing it, when it was written, who it was written to, and what was happening around this writing. So like the New Testament has a lot of letters, so you just kind of have to see who's writing it and who's this letter to, and what's happening in that church right now that would inspire this letter to be written. So in First Timothy, when that's being said, at the time there was actually a bunch of women who were gossiping, they were super loud, they were being obnoxious, I kind of see it as like a big group of Karens, essentially, <laughs> just like very upset with everything, right? A bunch of boomers, and, gotcha. Exactly. And so basically, like this letter was written to be like, hey, like maybe don't, like maybe just stop and just listen and, and, and stop gossiping, like take that outside. Please don't do that when you're within the church. And, you know, and it also yells at men too, to be like, hey, you need to pay attention too. So... So it sounds like out of context, it gives you this reason to tell women to shut up. But once you put it into context, it's more about respecting the work that is happening in the church. Exactly. And then like at that time, it was very rare for women to be even allowed into a building like that to learn. They were supposed to be home cooking and popping out babies. And so it's like, okay, even in this setting, like they were way ahead of their time because they were letting women in to be part of these conversations, to listen and to learn, which is so cool. But you take also, out that one little sentence. It also sounds frustrating that, um, you know, they were allowing women into that conversation, yet you as a woman had to jump through so many hoops to be included into this conversation. I mean, 2020, baby. <laughs> And I mean, even even now, you, I mean, we hear about people taking things out of context. I think of the Second Amendment, you know, you have the right to bear arms. That's what you always hear, the right to bear arms with 
the end part being under a well-regulated militia. Yes. So, so it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you need, need the whole thing for it to make sense. sense. Exactly. Jesus exactly. loves guns. I don't know what you're talking about. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I wish more people would give the Bible a chance. Like, there's some really good nuggets of information in there. Um, but it's also, like, there's some really hilarious moments, too, that you just <laughs> don't hear about. Because <laughs> all you hear is, like, the hatred it supposedly spews and stuff. So, um, yeah, I highly encourage everyone to find a translation that works for them and just figure it out. Well, I've read Lamb by Moore, so I'm I'm pretty sure I'm set. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> you should you should read Numbers. I hear that's a good read. <laughs> Abby, is, is there, there anything you're currently working on uh, artistically that you would like, like to talk about? about? Oh gosh, I mean, at the time of this podcast comes out, Spam a lot will be over, but we do live stream it this weekend, um, and that was super fun to be in a COVID safe environment and make art. Um, so that was really cool. Um, otherwise you can catch me on HBO max in unpregnant. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> <look> here. <laughs> um, yeah. Otherwise, if you like books, I got super bored during this quarantine and I made a bookstagram where I dress up like the characters and review books. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. Will you does sound fantastic. Will you give us the uh, Instagram handle and we'll also post it in our our podcast links. Yeah, yeah. It's called Fashioned to Read. So yeah, it's super fun. It's really awesome. Fun, awesome. like selfishly for me. So <laughs> that is quite all right. That's all right. You're allowed. I think you're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's this is just for us and some people listen to it. Right. So <laughs> all right you know what time it is ding 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 all right so this is the portion of the interview where we ask our guest to do something we've had guests improv commercials we've had guests sing songs we've had guests read sonnets uh we did warn you about this so uh what were you thinking about bringing to the table today? Um, so, because I, I really suck at like creating things. <laughs> so hopefully it's not copyright. I didn't write this. <laughs> uh, I don't I'm think they're coming after us. I think we'll be all right. Um, I'm going to read a passage from a book. It's called By Myself. It's actually written by Lauren Bacall, um, the lovely, famous actress. Um, but it's just a little passage about the first time she ever went to the theater. And I think... It's something I've gone back to through this pandemic because I just miss theater. And I think that this passage perfectly just puts into words what we all miss and miss. (laughs) Long after. Yes. So. All right, take it away. All right. (laughs) The feeling of walking into a legitimate theater the shape of it, the boxes, balconies, upholstered seats, and the curtain with the magical stage behind it. What seems like thousands of people crowded inside. So this is what a real theater was like. It lived up to every vision I'd ever conjured up in my mind. 
I reached my seat, program clutched in hand, the house lights dimmed, the chatter ceased, the entire audience was focused on the stage. The hush, the feeling of awe, and the power actors have to affect people's lives while they sit in a theater. At the rise of the curtain, one could feel the expectation, the concentration of everyone in that house. What followed depended on what was given by the actors. They could do almost anything. They could lead an audience anywhere, make them feel anything. The power of it, it was unforgettable. That was I great. That was great. Thank you so Gorgeous. Thank you, thank you. Abby Van Gerpen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on and sharing with us your views and a little, a little reading that was fantastic. Yes, well, thank you for having me on. I really, really do appreciate it. This has been so much fun. Of course, Thanks. anytime. Again, thank you, Abby, for taking the time out to have a conversation with us again. And that brings us to our audience engagement. Mike, what sort of audience engagement would you like to see from our listeners this week? This week, I want our audience to share with us a quote that is important to them and has given them guidance throughout life. Either a religious quote or a philosophical quote that allows you to make sense of this universe. So go ahead and find us on Facebook or Twitter and join in the conversation. Peace. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating. And if you really like what you hear and you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash active listeners pod and become a patron. Our theme music, It's a Trap, was created by Remodel. Thanks for listening.